1: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
2: The play, you know, after that, that's just absolutely uncalled for. Um, And it would have looked a lot different. This whole thing could have been a whole lot uglier if Markeith was actually facing Jokic you know the fact that he had his back turned uh, and he made a play like that you know blindsiding him that's uh, just a very dangerous play you're listening to Beck QL Daily presented by FanDuel Sportsbook with Joe Ostrowski Joe Gillio, and Aaron Hawksworth from Beck QL.
0: welcome back it's Beck QL Daily presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook Joe o, Joe G Aaron Hawksworth here on a Tuesday the voice there of Eric Spolstra coach the Miami Heat uh, recapping his version of the events that happened last night between Denver and Miami. Jokic, one of the Morris brothers. Now the Jokic brothers are involved. We got a lot there. <laughs> you know what? And we also have our Odyssey NBA insider, Ryan McDonough. He's joining us right now on the Roman guest line to talk all things NBA. We'll get to the league and, and, and the the odds and all the awards and, and where the league's trending right now. but. Before we get there, Ryan, we have to ask you: Do you have any stories over the years of the Jokic brothers? We we were talking about them earlier in the show. We didn't realize they had a Twitter account, and then we uh, we kind of dove into their story. I would none of us would uh, would mess with the Jokic brothers, uh, Ryan.
3: Uh, good morning, guys. Always great to be on with you. And I think that's a very wise decision not to mess with the Jokic brothers. <laughs> I've, I've spent some time around the Dug- Denver Nuggets franchise. Uh, and, uh, yeah, for those who don't know, Nikola Jokic's two brothers, uh, Nemanja and Strahinja are their names. Um, they are trained fighters. I mean, they're, they're trained, you know, I think MMA-style fighting. Uh, these are tough guys. These are serious guys. Obviously, they, they grew up uh, in Serbia and live in Serbia in the off season, uh, in addition to Denver. So. These are not guys to be trifled with. Um, You know, what happened last night in the the game I I think was was wrong by first, you know, Markeef Morris uh, with the cheap shot on Nikola Jokic, and then Jokic with an even cheaper shot hitting a defenseless player in the back. So I I think there are suspensions coming for both players. I think uh, they should both be suspended, and I I think Jokic deserves a longer suspension than Morris does for hitting a defenseless player, but uh, yeah, these are not guys you want to mess with, and uh, the, the ironic part about it, guys, you mentioned the Twitter account. I think the Jokic brothers, as far as I can tell, just started that account last night, basically to get involved in this situation and to tell uh, Marquis Morris and maybe even Marcus Morris' twin brother that uh, we are not guys to be trifled with.
2: Yeah, they don't even have a picture up yet. So, I mean, we've been having fun with it this morning, but when I saw the the picture going around the internet of the Jokic brothers standing there, like, looking, like, give me the sign and I'll be there in a second. I, I first thought about the mouse at the palace and then we, we had the... Uh, The doc that came out recently, which was very well done, but that, as you know, Ryan, I mean, that is the last thing the NBA wants. So I I wonder if we're going to have if the Jokic brothers are going to receive a phone call from someone just like, hey, guys, let's ease up a little bit.
3: It, they will. They will. Uh, Nikola Jokic and, and Markeith Morris and anybody involved in the altercation will. That, that's what happens. Uh, I was in a, in a front office, front uh, front offices plural, between Boston and Phoenix for 15 years. And uh, what happens is, is the day after NBA security gets involved, they do a full investigation. Uh, they talk to not only the people involved, uh, in this case, Nikola Jokic and Markeith Morris, uh, but other players, uh, the team security guards, the head coaches, and the general managers. So uh, as, as I mentioned, I, I think the Jokic brothers and, and the Morris brothers. Be warned to you know stand down and do not escalate this. This is not something the league takes lightly. Uh, and then I, I think for for Markeith Morris and Nikola Jokic, who were directly involved in the incident, uh, there's suspensions coming. And um, you know, l- luckily, I, I think it looked really bad when Markeith Morris went down. And was I was watching the game live last night in Denver, uh, he was immobile for a while. Luckily, he got up, was able to move his extremities, uh, but it, it looked potentially very serious. And that's why I think Morris will get a probably a lesser suspension. I'm guessing Jokic gets It's a multi-game suspension, which uh, I feel he deserves.
4: Yeah, and if it weren't for that incident with Jokic and Morris last night, the story we probably would have been talking about is the Warriors. 9-1, hot start, Steph Curry, 50 points, 10 assists, still without Klay Thompson. Ryan, I'm curious your thoughts on this Warrior squad. Do you like them coming out of the West? Maybe Steph Curry throw a little money on MVP. What are your thoughts here?
3: Aaron, they're a lot better than I thought they were going to be, especially early in the year. I, I thought the goal for Golden State would be to try to hang in there, hang around the sixth seed, um, and just you know, kind of tread water until uh, Clay Thompson gets back. Uh, keep in mind that James Wiseman's been out as well. Uh, now we can debate whether Wiseman, his presence in the lineup at this point, is a positive or a negative. Last year, uh, it was certainly a negative as, as he tried to figure out the NBA. And uh, if you look at the Warriors' the analytical numbers, the plus-minus and all that, they were a lot better without uh, Wiseman on the court as he figures out his Place in the NBA, but uh, nine and one is the record. Uh, Their they're point differential—they're almost plus point. 14 points per game, guys, through the first 10 games. Uh, that, is, that, that would be the best uh, plus-minus differential in NBA history. Um, only a, a handful of teams in the history of the NBA have had uh, plus-10 or more double-digit point differentials, so uh, the Warriors are dominant on both ends of the court right now, and I think for the rest of the league, it is a little bit scary uh, when Klay Thompson comes back. It obviously, I think, take Klay some time to integrate himself and get familiar after being out for, for multiple years now, but this is a very good team, and uh, I give Bob Myers in the front office in Golden State a lot of credit. I think they nailed their minimum salary signings that, uh, you know, in, in particular, Steph gets all the credit, and I understand why, or a lion's share of the credit, uh, but some of the, some of the lower cost signings these guys had uh, looking down their bench, um, guys like Otto Porter Jr., Nemanja Bielitsa, and then Gary Payton II, who's been excellent lately, uh, the front office deserves a lot of credit for building a very good and deep team without a lot of money to spend.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,
0: Ryan, when you look at the Eastern Conference right now, and, you know, it's been a long time where the East, you know, has maybe had some really good teams at the top, but for the most part, we look at the East and West differently. And you look at the standings right now, it's pretty darn deep. I mean, you even have Atlanta, Boston, Milwaukee on the outside looking in. It's early, but of the playoff mix, the way I count it, Ryan, there's only two bad teams in this conference, Detroit, Orlando. Do you think this continues? This is just early season noise. What's your thought right now on, on an Eastern Conference that looks really deep with some good teams?
3: I think you hit the nail on the head, Joe. And this is something I brought up in preseason. I feel like not enough people are discussing it nationally um, for years, if not decades. The Western Conference has been better than the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think that not only have the top teams in the West been better than the top teams in the East by and large, but uh, if you look at the, the history of it, uh, I think in head-to-head intra-conference play, the Western Conference has won like 21 out of the last 22 years or something like that. The, the West has just been better. There's no other way to put it. Uh, however, this year, I'm, I'm not sure that is the case. I mean, the, the, besides Orlando and Detroit, the two teams you mentioned, at the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings. The other 13 teams, I think, are pretty good and pretty solid, including some surprise teams uh, like the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are 7-4. and four. Uh, The Toronto Raptors have a lot of young talent. They're well coached under Nick Nurse. They're 6-5. and five. So I bring it up because um, just to get into the top six and lock in your playoff spot in the Eastern Conference is not going to be easy. Uh, and then I think, uh, frankly, there are going to be some pretty decent teams left out of the top ten in that play-in scenario. So that's where teams like uh, Milwaukee, uh, Boston, Atlanta, Indiana, in that range now, I think Milwaukee will be fine. But uh, if I'm the Celtics, Hawks, or Pacers, I don't want to fall too far off the pack because uh, I know that just even getting into that top, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten range is not going to be easy, given the talent and the depth in the conference, and given that as, as you mentioned, there aren't many off nights other than potentially Orlando and Detroit.
2: Uh, Ryan, want to get your thoughts 10-11 games into the season on the rookie of the year. We've got uh, a producer, Jake Hassan. He's a huge Illini fan and a Bulls fan, so he's uh, he's super jacked about what he's seen out of Io early on as a second-round pick for the Bulls, and he sees him at 250-1. to 1, He's trying to uh, uh, convince himself that there's some sort of a case. But which players have stood out the most? I, I see at some size, they have Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes as co-favorites. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, uh, right behind him. Uh, behind those guys, which uh, names have really impressed? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, I think the uh, you know FanDuel and the other sites that have Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes at the top of the list are, are looking at the right guys. They, they've been the two most impressive uh, to me. Um, Barnes, just his versatility, uh, his ability to play both ends of the court. Uh, there, there was a game a week or so ago where he got a defensive rebound. I, I think he took three dribbles, maybe four to go the length of the court and dunked it in transition. And I said, holy cow, there are only a handful of guys in the league. Uh, Giannis is one, obviously, maybe Kevin Durant and LeBron. They, they, they can physically make that play. Uh, that's what kind of talent that young man has, and then Evan Mobley, um, guys. I mean, just watching him play, watching his impact, especially on the defensive end for a young big man, is extremely rare. Uh, if you look at some of the advanced statistics, especially one that really stands out, where he's not only leading rookies, guys, he's leading the league by a wide margin, is contested shots. Next time you watch Mobley play, watch how many shots he contests. It isn't necessarily block them all, but. With his size and length and versatility, uh, he is a defensive factor and has, has the talent and ability someday to be Defensive Player of the Year. So, uh, th- those guys are going to be stars. In fact, they may be superstars, uh, Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. And yeah, I, I think they're strong runners from uh, front runners for me for Rookie of the Year. I think they're probably 1A and 1B at this point. And as much as I love Io Dissumu, I had him as a first round grade and thought he was a steal for the Bulls uh, in the 30s. I would not spend a lot of money if I were a young producer uh, on him. As much as he's a good story, I think those <laughs> Those guys are ahead of him, him and will continue to stay ahead of him, given the opportunities they're going to get with their franchises.
4: Ryan, we've heard different theories on why scoring is down in the NBA. I'm curious to hear yours. Um, Paul George said it's because the NBA decided to part ways with Spaulding. Now they're using the ball with Wilson. Uh, He said it's a different basketball. It doesn't have the same touch, the same softness. What are your thoughts on this ball or just the scoring being down in general?
3: Yeah, good question, Aaron. I, I think it's one of those things where you can't point to just one factor. I think the ball probably is a factor to some extent, especially as the players get used to it. I, I, I saw an interesting interview the other day where, um, you know, NBA players saying, well, you know, the, the new ball, once it's new, it takes a little while to break it in. Think of a baseball glove or something. takes a little while to get used to it and break it in. Once it gets broken in, it's fine. But when it's new, it's a little, it's a little slick and harder to, uh, you know, to lace up, as the players say, to get your fingers on the laces and become comfortable shooting it. Uh, however, guys, I, I think a bigger factor, in, in my opinion, um, is the way the game is being officiated, specifically uh, the lack of, um, or not the lack of, the, the, the uh, conscious focus by the NBA officials not to call the flails and flops. Uh, I, frankly, I think it's really hurt James Harden's game. I think it's impacted Trey Young's game to some extent, where you know, for the past however many years, it seems like Harden's been doing it for close to a decade now, an offensive player gets a defender up in the air, even if the defender was some distance away and goes straight up and down, the offensive player would launch himself horizontally into the defensive player and flail and get two or three free throws. Uh, those are not being called anymore. In fact, uh, they're, they're either not being called at all, or they're being called offensive fouls, and uh, I think that's really taken away a crutch for certain players, uh, Harden in particular. Um, so I, so I, I think that's part of it. I think the game is more physical in general on the defensive end. They're, they're letting more go as far as the um, you know, clutch and grab off the ball and some of the hand-checking, but uh, the lack of shooting fouls and contact on the ball handlers, not being rewarded for and offensive players who initiate it, uh, I think is the main difference I've seen through the first 10 games or so of the season.
0: We're talking to Ryan McDonough, our Odyssey NBA insider here, early season takeaways here. Uh, Ryan, Lakers still 3-1, to one, the favorite to win the Western Conference at FanDuel, their 6-5 and five record on the season, 8th spot in the Western Conference. LeBron out with an injury right now. Do you think this gets better during the regular season? I just I just start to wonder with them if it, if to them it matters. Does the regular season matter at all? Do you think we see an upswing in the Lakers during the season, or is this just a, a wait and a hope they get healthy for the playoffs?
3: No, I think it's definitely the latter. I mean, I, I watched them play in preseason. I, I was very unimpressed, and you could say, okay, it's preseason. It doesn't matter. But um, I, I don't think this is regular season malaise, guys. I, I've seen some pretty significant concerns uh, when watching the L.A. Lakers, uh, especially their lack of shooting and floor spacing in half-court sets, which is, is you know, if, if sometimes the regular season gets played more in transition, uh, they're 82 games, it's it's you know a little looser, a little less physical, it's easy to get up and down, generally speaking. Uh, the playoffs usually slow down and become a half-court possession-by-possession game. And I bring it up because uh, if the Lakers are going to have two of Russell Westbrook and either uh, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, somebody like that on the court. Uh, Anthony Davis has struggled with his three-point shooting. Uh, the lack of shooting and floor spacing in today's NBA is, is pretty jarring, and, and I know they're physically dominant when healthy with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have, I have no idea whether they're the favorite, to be honest with you, other than uh, you know, historically what LeBron James has been able to do at the highest levels, but uh, you know, he's injured at the moment it's early. He has not looked like the same player to me early in the season. Uh, that may be injury-related, but if I were betting my money at 3-1, to one, Lakers, there's no way I, I would take that. i, I look at a, a Utah who I, I really like, uh, you know, Golden State. Uh, you, you know, maybe Phoenix has been very good after a slow start. They've won five in a row. Um, and then even Denver, you, you know, assuming uh, Jamal Murray gets healthy. I like all those teams better than the LA Lakers, and I think it's maybe just because it's the Lakers and because it's LeBron James, people think they'll figure it out in time. Uh, personally, I have some pretty significant concerns, and I would not see them as the favorite in the Western Conference.
2: Ryan, of course, you have connections to the Boston Celtics. They they had that awful loss against the Bulls. They're sniping through the media with the players. They're two and five, but then they get a couple wins uh, on the road. And uh, their last game of their weekend, they lost at Dallas. Now they're coming back home. Do, do you think they got through the rough patch and uh, they're they're going to be all right, or keep a close eye?
3: I think they'll be fine. I think they should be fine. I feel better saying this today than I did a week ago when they were two and five and uh, had some, had some bad losses mixed in. Um, what they did this past week guys really impressed me uh going down to Florida on a back to back okay, Orlando's not very good, but uh, on consecutive nights, they held Orlando to seventy nine points and then uh, you know pretty good Miami team to seventy eight um, and then uh, lost. To, to Dallas in Dallas on, on Saturday night on Luca hitting a, you know a hail mary which Luca tends to do um, so I, I think they'll be fine they have too much talent and depth uh, to struggle I, I think um, you know the concerns I have with them are um, you know especially the first seven games with lack of defensive physicality I thought their pace and transition was way too slow. Defensively, um, I think they have the, the talent and, and, and you know, personnel to, to adjust to that. Uh, so I, I think they'll be fine, but they do need to move the ball. This is a team with a lot of talented individual scorers, uh, led by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, also a guy like Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. Uh, but they don't have a lot of natural passers and ball movers, so the keys for me are can they defend uh, with enough effort and intensity consistently, and can they move the ball? I think they will in time, and this is a team I fully expect to be, uh, if you know, not just in the top ten in the Eastern Conference, but likely in the top six.
0: Ryan McDonough on the Roman guest line. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksford is QL Daily presented as always by Fandle Sportsbook. Coming up next, Lightning bets right here on the BetQL Network.